Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. There is a beautiful balance in the New Testament in the way that the Apostle Paul presents the Christian life. He presents it as a life of faith in the Messiah, in the person of Jesus Christ. And then consequently, he does mention a lot of things that the Christian believers should do, things that they should put on, and things that they should put off. On the one hand, he emphasizes faith for righteousness before God, and consequently, certain actions and certain behaviors, those who steal should stop stealing, etc., etc. But the unrenewed mind as to the, really the heart of the New Testament Christian life would say that morality and ethics and do's and don'ts, that's what the Christian life is all about. Paul speaks into that and he does address immoralities and fornications and and thieveries, etc., etc., etc. But these are, as it were, the outflow from an indwelling reality where I am focused not so much on just the behavioral aspect of my life, but first and foremost, I focus on Christ who lives within me by his Spirit. To the unrenewed mind, uh, the New Testament just seems very much like a book uh, of the Old Testament, uh, do's and don'ts. Go here, don't go there, uh, pray this way, don't do this, etc., etc., And for the vast majority of us as modern believers, we also read the New Testament quite frequently with just behavioral modification in mind. Paul, as I say, did speak into that, but only after he first speaks into our faith in Christ. And that faith in the Messiah, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, is to be coupled to the tree of life, of which we have the example in the book of Genesis. But for us, with the unrenewed mind, we would often think that to be truly Christian, to be truly spiritual, is to be coupled to the tree of the knowledge of good versus evil. That is, pursue more good and avoid more evil. If I can do this and get the balance of good to trump the balance of evil, then surely I'm a religious man, I'm a spiritual man, and this is what the Christian life is all about. The only problem is that God told Adam and Eve that in the day that you eat of the knowledge of good versus evil, if that becomes your agenda, your pursuit, your focus, 
God told the man and the woman, in that day, you will die. And that's why so many of us, including myself, when I transfix my attention almost exclusively on my behavior, the good of it, the bad of it, the reformation, the improvement thereof, it's as though if we're all honest, we never quite arrive. And there's always this lingering feeling of, of death. It's just not working for me. Paul doesn't say in the New Testament ever, nor does Christ, nor does really the prophets of the Old Testament ever say that we can live in Christ and live loose. What the New Testament is about is to live in Christ knowing that I've got certain behaviors, I've got certain issues that needs to be sanctified and corrected. But the New Testament teaches us the focus is to behold Him, and then we will be transformed into the one we behold. And this is how we experience life and proper transformation in our being. When we live the Christian life, that is, I believe in Jesus Christ, uh, but only as a ticket to heaven, but until then, I will try to work out this behavioral quirk of my uh, uh, fallen being by myself. And I'll do it through a, a recipe or a formula or certain steps. Even if all of those things are good, you will notice that there will still be a lingering aspect of death. Because that's what God said in the beginning. If you take the good and the evil, you will die. It's interesting that even good is death in the economy of God. Only Christ is truly good and truly life in the economy of God. The message I'm about to um, speak is, uh, it, it can be misconstrued a little bit. I speak a lot on focusing on Christ, but I dare not say that... Um, we never address issues in our lives. The, the heartbeat of my ministry and my mentoring and the spiritual direction I give is to focus less on the good in me versus the evil in me and to acknowledge that is in me. But I'm trying to partner with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 18, where we turn our attention to the indwelling Christ, the enthroned Christ, the living Christ, and beholding him as in a mirror, Paul would say, we are then transformed into his image from glory to glory. So this message is a strong message with a focus on Christ and not just the focus of my weaknesses. However, it, it's a fact that if I can focus on Christ, then by the Spirit, Paul says in Romans 8 verse 13, for example, if by the Spirit, my focus on the Spirit, I put to death the deeds of the body, then I will live. So yes, uh, these quirky things in our person, our personality, in our behaviors, the Spirit does want to address that. 
but he wants to address it from an indwelling energy that the Spirit provides, an indwelling power that the Spirit provides, and not from an existential source, uh, be it a formula or a kind of a discipline or any of those types of things. I, I think you get what I'm saying. I hope this message challenges you in your focus on godliness versus goodliness. person that's ever been born on this planet, we all know I miss it. I act up. I fall short. We all know it. But now the battle becomes, how do I get better? Because my obsession is good, and I realize there's some evil in me that I got to get rid of. And this is the whole obsession of religion. How do I do better and how do I avoid evil? How do I pursue what is good and how do I just distance myself from what is evil? And here is the definition of religion. All the religions of the world have this one thing in common. Pursue good, avoid evil. Pursue good, however you pursue it. But I'm telling you, all religions will have a mechanical approach. All religions. Buddhism. Mechanical approach to pursue good and be cut from evil. Confucianism. Mechanical approach to pursue good. Scientology. Christian science. Mormonism. Everything is a mechanical approach to pursue good and avoid evil. And this is proof that you're in the tree of death. Because we're in this tension, trying to do good, avoid evil. And so I join this religion, join that religion, try this practice, try that chant, try this sacrifice. All I'm trying to do is gain more in the good category, less in the evil category, and then we convince ourselves, hey, I've arrived. But now I want to show you why that doesn't work and why it has not worked also in your life. Here, again, in the Spirit, you live by the indwelling Lord. Here you live by faith that you're right with God. You don't consult your flesh, the good and evil here. You live by faith. Your faith is in a person, not in good versus evil. Your faith is based not on a merit system, a mechanical approach, a formula, a ritual. Your faith is based in a person. Here, faith is not the issue. We deal with good versus evil as the issue. So we have this understanding, good people go to heaven, do a lot of good, accomplish a lot. Yeah. But you'll see that does not take faith. That takes the flesh. Because we rise up in the flesh to do a lot of good things. 
avoid evil things, and then we think, ah, now I live the Christian life on all four cylinders. So before we jump into the lesson here, why do you do what you do for God? Is it in a response to His calling in obedience and faith? Or could it be that we do many, many Christian things as a way to prove ourselves? We do things to try to be better. We avoid certain things to show that we are for the Lord. The focus is on what I do and avoid. Here the focus is on Christ. So look at your notes. The universal concept of fallen man. God's economy in Christ Jesus is God-men according to the principle of His indwelling life. God's heart, God's economy is men of life, men of the divine life, men of Christ, men of God. Culture's economy is good men. Mm -hmm. God is just wanting to fill you with His Spirit so that you're a man of God. Literally, a representative of God on this earth. But fallen man's concept has become a little warped. We try to be good men. God says, no, I want Christ-likeness. Here, the fallen concept is works rightness. Fallen man's everyday basic tendency is to improve. Notice I bolded that word for you a little bit. We try to improve our fallen behavior. Fallen man consistently tries to develop the element of good in his mind and he attempts to deal with the cravings and the lusts of his flesh through self-effort, through many disciplines and stratagems and reforms and religions and the like. Every religion does this. In every religion, we are well aware of the fact something's wrong with us. But instead of getting born again and filled with the spirit of life, we try to have a pseudo-spirituality, a religion where we pursue good, and then we think, aha, if I can just improve, get better, improve, now I'm right with God. I'm a spiritual man. And the same goes for you and you and you and me. Many times we don't live under the flow of the Spirit of God in us. We live by what we think is the right thing to do. We live by our disciplines. And then at night we feel like, you know what? I read my Bible this year. <gasps> oh, I'm close to God. I had a quiet time this morning. I'm close to God. And so instead of our faith being in a person, our formulas become all sorts of rituals. And why do we do the rituals? To pursue good versus evil. To improve. 
But now Paul says, we're going to run into a lot of trouble. Look at your notes on the right from the message, and then we'll read it as it is actually written, okay? <laughs> from the message first, just to get sort of the flavor. On the right-hand side. Paul says, oh, I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. So Paul is going to describe a life here where we try to pursue good and we try to avoid evil. And he's going to explain actually what goes on. Bottom line, it's not going to go good for me. As long as I'm in a formula, as long as I'm in a kind of a works system, I'm not in faith and in spirit and in life. I'm in religion. I'm not going to cut the mustard, whatever that is supposed to mean. Paul says, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. Uh-huh. Most of us think we can do this. We can conquer sin. Paul says, I don't have what it takes. He says, I can will it, but I just can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. That's why the one brother asks always, well, what can I do? What can I do? Well, no matter how many things we tell you to do, you will not do it. Because you don't have the capacity to do it. And if I just tell you what to do, what to do, I'm just dishing out formula and trap you in religion. And maybe some of us, we will succeed in those formulas. Guess what? You'll become self-righteous. If I dish out formulas, no doubt many of us will fail. Then you're going to conclude, I stink at the Christian life. Maybe I'm just not chosen. Then you become self-depressed. Self-righteousness, self-depressed, it's a defeated life. Either way, you slice this pizza. And Paul is trying to show us here, we are not dishing out formulas. We're not pursuing good, trying to... We live by the law of the Spirit of life. We live by faith. We'll get there. But notice here, my decisions such as they are, they don't result in actions. And then he says, something has gone wrong deep within me. And it gets the better of me every time. The message says it so beautifully. And it sums up what Paul is trying to say. I know I want to do good. I know I want to avoid evil. I know I should pray. I know I should read my Bible. But why do I end up not doing any of that? Here it is. Something's wrong with me. And you know... Religion is also recognizing that. All religions recognize something is wrong with me. It's just 
Religion does not provoke you to faith in a person. Religion will keep telling you where you've done wrong and just do better here. Whatever, and even sad to say, in Christian circles we do the same. Instead of preaching Christ as the person that needs to live in you, in you and Him, we tell you what to do and what not to do. And so many of us, we live a life of imitating God, working for God, trying so hard. And you'll see all those Christians that live a kind of a life out of the self and out of the flesh and religion and formula. If we're honest, we will all say with Paul, this is wearing me out. Wretched man that I am. Paul will get there in a minute. So again, here the message goes on. Paul says it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. Why? Because whether we're doing good or evil, we're still in the realm of the tree of death. And that's what we just cannot wrap our mind around, is that even good is a part of the tree of death. Because it's good divorced from the indwelling spirit. Now here in life, we also do good, but we do it by the spirit. Yeah? Here, we do good, but we do it by formula. We do it by custom, by tradition, by culture. By self-imagination. So that's why Jesus would say, your flesh profits nothing, even if it's good flesh. Yeah? Paul would say, in me dwells nothing good. And of course, he was a Pharisee, and he was a law-abiding citizen. He was a scholar. And yet he says, nothing good is in me. So this is what deception did to us. It religionized us and made us obsessed with good instead of with God. So we think the aim of religion is to make us good men, but really the heart of God is to make us God men, Christ men. Yeah? Y'all are awfully quiet in here today. Did I say anything wrong? Now I know this is a little Greek to you because nobody's ever taught you this, but hey, welcome to Legacy. It's time. I'm just going to tell it as it is, or maybe read it as it is. Here we go. Let's go back. Paul says, The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I tried everything. Nothing helps. And those of us who are caught up in religion and a system of works, trying to impress God and prove ourselves to God, we try everything. And that's what St. Augustine wrote in the Confessions even. I've tried everything. It's just not working for me. And then modern day people conclude, ah, maybe I'm just not chosen. I'm not meant to live the Christian life. Maybe, you know... God has decided not to choose me. That's what we conclude. 
miserable, wretched. I've tried everything. He says, I'm at the end of my rope. I tell you, this is the place of salvation, true salvation. I stink at the Christian life. I've tried everything, God. I've tried every formula. I've tried every good. I've tried to avoid every evil. I've not sinned a day in my life, but I'm still not at peace with God. Because you and I have made it about all sorts of actions. It's not about the actions. It's about the person that I am. Oh, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. Paul says, is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Well said in the message. Look at the top right on your notes. Universally, all religions and forms of moral cultivation are focused on improving the good in man and suppressing the evil in man. Many a Christian erroneously assume this to be the focus and standard of the normal Christian life as well. It is not. There has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. Let me quickly tell you the better way and then try to explain more the world's way and why we have got to get done with the world's way. God, He leads you by faith. And He's going to lead you to avoid evil and He's going to lead you to do good. But you will never receive that spirit of self-rightness or self-boasting or self-confidence. And you will live in a humble, meek, tender way before God because you know in you dwell nothing good. You're looking to God, you're dependent on God, and you're regulated by the law of the Spirit of life. You don't have all the answers, so you're constantly leaning into God. You just live a life of raw faith. On the other side, we get tempted to pick up muscle and discipline and practices and self-imposed worship Customs and traditions, it just, it, the list is endless. We realize, too, something's wrong within us. But instead of looking to Jesus Christ as my source, the tree of life, the spirit of life as my source, living in utter dependence, oh, I take up a crusade. This week, I'm going to work on my love. I'm going to love people. This week, I'm going to get rid of all these sinful things in my body. This week, I am going to discipline myself. This week, I'm going to avoid those things. And then we obsess about how to do good, how to avoid evil. And before we know it, bam, we do it again. I didn't try hard enough. I'm going to try harder, like the little engine. I think I can. Oh, I think I can. And we try harder and harder and harder, and we still feel like we don't get there. Again, others of us, we're going to try to do so good because we think good is the Christian life. By the way, God is the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And some of us, we're never going to get to that good. We feel like we're always going to miss it. Then we go 
sink in a corner there. We get so depressed. Half of Christendom is just downright depressed. Not spunky, victorious, looking to God. We're all just like, oh, I missed it yesterday. I'm horrible. I'm the worst Christian. My prayer life stinks. I don't understand the Bible. I can't hardly fast today. I'm afraid to give a dollar to the Red Cross. It's like, oh, and just like, this is not for me. This is how we live. Others of us, we try harder and we actually succeed. But guess what? We tell everybody our secret. You just got to do this. You haven't fasted long enough. Pray three hours a day. Why aren't you memorizing the scripture? In the Greek. (laughs) I want to tell you to open up your inner man to the flow of the Spirit. I don't know how to live this Christian life. I cannot tell you, do this, do that. Otherwise, I will. At one time in my ministry, I told people to do this, do that. Then they try and they fail. Then I'm like, you just don't have enough faith. Try harder. Fast longer. And then the Lord touched me in a fresh way. We can only tell you to be tender and humble and gentle before God. Open up your being to the flow of God. I've done it. You've got to get there yourself. And let the Spirit work the fruit of the Spirit, not the good of man. Because here we arrive at good. Many of us, if we don't sink into depression, some of us, we actually would become a decent citizen. But then we write the books as to why all of y'all need to become decent citizens. Some of us, we actually learn to give everything away. Now I write the book telling all of y'all how to give everything away. And so we make the good, the formula. You guys who are depressed and just can't get along with God, man, pull yourself together. It's because you don't read enough. You don't pray enough. There's still sin in your life. Go deal. Stop smoking. That's why. Stop thinking those evil things. That's why. And we all know like, man, I do want to stop thinking these evil things, but I can't. This is Paul's point. Something stronger has taken a hold of me. Something is lording over me. I try desperately, but I'm struggling here. Then God comes and He says, Okay, I am not going to try to improve you. I'm going to crucify you. I'm going to make you come literally to your end. And I'm going to kill you in Christ on the cross. And when I do that, I put you to death. So that from now on, you will not live from your self-strength. You will live by a kind of a resurrection. And through faith, you will actualize resurrection power into you. Identification with the person of Christ. So that His goodness is yours. His overcoming is yours. His avoiding sin is yours. Not yours independent of Him. So the answer of God is, I'm just going to crucify you. The answer of man, let's improve. Let's have a conference. Let's have a seminar. Let's improve. Let's discipline. Let's just be positive in our thinking. God is like, no, 
I've not come to improve you. I've come to make the old creation extinct and bring forth an entirely new creation. I've come to give you the cross. Then Paul says, I have been crucified. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The faith of the Son of God who gave Himself for me and who loved me. My obsession in life has become a person, not a morality. I don't no longer walk around with a picket and protest everything and a billboard and trying to like tell everybody they're sinners. You, you guys in that pub, you're a sinner. We who are drinking and getting clubbered in that pub, we know we are sinners. I know I'm a son of hell. Your sign is not helping me any bit. I know that. That's why I'm here trying to drink it away. What I need is the good news that I should not try harder, but give up and surrender and say, absolutely, Lord, I'm done. I'm at the end of my rope. So we think the Christian life is morality, behavior. God is like, no, it's crucifixion. And then an entire new life a life of the Spirit will change you in every area. But it's going to take faith, not explanation, not formula.